Welcome to the Real Estate Trainer Podcast with your host, Brian Eisenhower. This podcast is brought to you by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. ICC provides customized and structured coaching and training programs for real estate agents and team leaders, representing many of the top producing agents in North America. ICC also offers broker and owner consulting on agents recruiting, training, and retention. For more info, visit EisenhowerCoaching.com or find us on Facebook. Pick a date for your closings. Make sure it's on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Whatever you do, don't put it on Thursdays and Fridays and whatever, whatever, whatever you do, don't put it on the last Thursday or Friday of any given month. Real estate negotiation again. And these are going to be more you know, practical applications, the actual scripts and strategies we use in negotiation, but it may not be the type of negotiation you often always think about. I mean, some of it might be, and and this comes from, because oftentimes I, I would say more often than not in real estate, because real estate has become so plug and play with our contracts, there isn't a lot of face-to-face negotiation that goes on between buyer and seller or even buyer's agent and listing agents. It's really just, you know, sending contracts back and forth. Um, and we are going to talk a little bit about that. But oftentimes the most important negotiation you do is actually with your own client who you have a fiduciary duty to represent and whose best interests you must look out for. So how can you do that? How can you be negotiating almost like an opponent with someone that you have to, to be representing? That's the tricky part. And, you know, I, I so I don't know if it's called peer negotiation or not, but I will tell you, I'll give you an example. You do it all the time. You do it like, for example, with your doctor, right? You go to your doctor, at least if you have a good doctor, if you have a bad doctor, he may not do this. But if, you know, let's say you smoke cigarettes or you drink too much alcohol or you eat too much cholesterol or, cholesterol or whatever, a good doctor is gonna fight you on this and tell you things you don't want to do, like stop smoking, stop drinking, you know, don't drink so much, start dieting, start exercising, don't take in so much cholesterol. All things that he's gonna start negotiating with you on. He's gonna start saying, here's why, you need to do this, you need to do that, don't do this, don't do that. And and he's gonna fight you. Now, you do have the, the same end result, a happy, healthy life. You want that. Your doctor wants that for you, right? So he has your best interests in mind. What you're negotiating over is how to get there. You're trying to act in denial and say, well, we can get there my way, which is continue to drink and smoke and sit on the recliner. And I still think I can do it if I just cut back on the desserts, you know, or whatever, you know, like there's some like little denial based argument that's much more palatable to you. That's an easier route than what the way he wants you to go, which is the safe route that's much more proven because that's his expertise to get it done, right? The same thing happens with you and your, like, for example, your seller client, you know, or your buyer client. You know, you might need to tell your buyer that we got to borrow money from a family member to get an all cash offer if we're going to be competitive with homes in a median price in that median price range because going in with a loan is just not going to work or with you know they don't want to hear that they don't want to have that tough conversation so now you got to give them the scripts and strategies to do it 
You got to give them scripts and strategies as to why they need to do that in the first place. It's uncomfortable for them. They don't want to do that. They just say, well, what if we just increase the price or do this or do that? And they're going to give you a lot. Well, we heard you could do this. And they're going to argue you and argue you. And now you've got an opponent in a negotiation. We're fighting over different paths to get to the same location. Okay. Sellers, same thing. They always want a higher price. They want this. You, you need them to clean up their house, make it more presentable, price it more reasonably, whatever it may be. So you're often negotiating with someone that you have a fiduciary duty to use your best interests and best efforts to represent. So when we talk negotiation, understand that a lot of it is just obtaining client control. And how do we obtain client control? It's through education. It's, it's using the, the right scripts and talking points to demonstrate the why. Using objection handlers to overcome their denial, to get them where they wanna go, even though it may not be the most comfortable path. And the comfortable path is usually not the path to get you to desired results anyway. You know, very rarely is the comfortable path the way you wanna go. Okay, I'll give you an example. I'm gonna give you a few examples. And I think you'll like some of these, okay? So for those of you that that, that sell luxury markets or, or work in a luxury area, okay? Understand, I run one of the largest real estate coaching companies in the world, okay? We, we uh, as far as real estate goes, we coach agents all over the place in, you know, high-end markets. We have agents that have average prices of five, $10 million, okay? In those areas, especially them, I'm gonna pick on them, They'll say there's no way to use a lockbox on a $10 million list. And so what they have to do is be present for every single showing because that's what's customary. That's the, that's the common industry practice in the Uber luxury market. That's what they've been told. And that's what they believe. And that's what they've done. So they, the listing agent, have to personally be present for every showing even though the buyer has an agent there getting them access and representing them. Why? Here's all the excuses. That's what's, I mean, this is agent after agent telling me and all my coaches, that's what's customary in our area. Brian, you don't know our market. That's the way you do it. That's what my clients want. That's my favorite. Boy, I could care less about that. What your client wants? You know what your client wants? More cholesterol. You know what your client wants? That's the drunk guy trying to drive the bus. If you truly are the professional, let them know why that's not the best. Make sense? And then we go through this process and we fight and we kick and we pull. And then eventually they put lockboxes on everything and they learn the scripts we use to get lockboxes in their listings. And everything's fine. And they never have to be present at all these showings ever again. And guess what? Houses start selling more quickly and at higher prices. And there's more showings. Because I don't know about you. I don't want the listing agent present when I'm showing the freaking house to my buyers. I also don't want to deal with scheduling a time that the listing agent can be present. I may have access to my buyers for a very short period of time only. And I'm only going to show those properties that are on lockbox. But if I have to schedule times where the listing agent's going to be present, well, what happens if my clients spend too much time in one of the houses I showed them before and I'm running late? You're the first guy I'm cutting out of my list because you're not flexible. I can't move you around. I can't push you back or speed you up. 
Or we go into another house that I accounted for taking 45 minutes that they drive by the front and say, I don't, we don't see that one. I can tell you right now, it's a waste of time. We don't want to go in there. So we have to go to house number two earlier. But there's no lockbox on that. We can't go to house number two because I have to wait for the stupid listing agent to show up because he has no client control because that's what his clients wanted. So we cut that one and we get less exposure for our client's house. If you don't have the description dialogues to explain this, these are great hypothetical examples that I would be using that you heard in a national training with all the other offices in your region, in your country, whatever. And I'm passing those on to you. These are things we have been told and been taught is why we put a lockbox on all listings if you want to get more showings. If you get more showings, you'll get more offers. You'll get higher priced offers. You'll increase the likelihood of multiple offers. The last thing we want to do is reduce our exposure. So just because you think it's customary, what's really customary is a lot of poor agents with low skill development that don't know the scripts and dialogues to use to get their clients' homes sold at the highest prices. So be the one agent that knows how. We literally coach agents in West Los Angeles that average $5 million home prices that put everything on lockboxes. As we speak, we, they are not present for all showings. Some of the sellers wanted that. They explained why that was a bad idea. I can give you more reasons why it's a bad idea. The reason I also don't want to be showing that house to my clients, I'll be in and out of there if the listing agent's hovering around. Why? It makes us uncomfortable. We can't even talk freely about the things we don't like about the house. We can't even say that we like it for fear of giving up our motivation with someone we're about to go into negotiations with. So what does that do? It makes us hurry up and move through the house quickly so we can get to a place where we're more comfortable. And the less time we spend in the house, the increased likelihood we're not gonna buy the house. So you're just gonna make me uncomfortable in there. That's why in a hot day, you go in a grocery store, it's cold. They want you to stay in there longer. You wanna crank it up and make it hot in a department store or something so people hurry up and get out? It means they're less likely to buy. Same concept, that's just general sales practices. If you don't know how to explain these things to your seller, you're gonna end up having to be present because they think it's safer for some reason if you're present, like you're some sort of armed security guard that's literally gonna follow them through each room in the house. Like what a nightmare that is. Explain to them, we have a Supra lockbox that keeps a digital computerized record of everyone that goes through a house that must have a license if they go through and that person is then responsible by their license governed by the state of California, that they maintain that home in order while they're showing it. And they're required by the state of California to be covered by errors and omissions insurance in case anything goes wrong. Your sellers know that? No. Did you know that? Well, you do now. Those are negotiation scripts for your client's best interest. That's an example. But you gotta educate. Gotta educate. Give you another example. A lot of times we will coach agents repeatedly and they'll tell me, man, I just, I, this real estate's so tough. You have to work nonstop. Are you sure you want to get into real estate? You're always working nights, weekends, doesn't matter. I mean, that's real estate. And my response is if you say so, but I don't think it is. It only is if you have poor skill development and you don't know how to negotiate because that's not true. 
Most top agents do not answer their phone after six, seven o'clock at night. But that's just the top agents. Low producers, yeah, they answer the phone all the time. They have no skill training, no development. They're desperate. That's not customer service, guys. Nor is it professional. I mean, do you consider real estate a profession? Do you want to be a professional? I mean, think about it. When you think of professionals, do you think real estate agent? No. You think doctor, lawyer, accountant. Those are professionals, right? All people that don't answer their phone after five o'clock, by the way. But yet for some reason, a real estate agent who wants to be called a professional in the slowest industry on the planet feels the need to answer their phone at eight o'clock at night. What are you going to do with that at eight at night? It's a slow industry, guys. Calling them back at 8 a.m. is just fine. Nothing's going to happen over that period. Nothing. Unless, of course, you pick it up and really think something is going to happen. And then you talk to them from 8 to 8.45. And then you write up that offer from 9 to 9, you know, 45. And then you email it to them at 10 o'clock at night. You wait for them to sign it and get it back to you at 10.30 in the morning. 10.30 at night. Then 11 o'clock, you put it over the listing agent. And you really think the listing agent's going to do something with it at midnight. Because he's not. Because he's a top producer. He's got listings. So he doesn't deal with you at that time. And then you're like, man, I don't know why this is such a hard industry. I don't know why people don't work. I sent it to you and you start. You didn't, you screwed up in the beginning. Call them back at 8 a.m. when you can do something with it. Stop doing that. Train people to behave and treat you like a professional. If you answer the phone whenever they call you, then you're training people how to behave with you. They will keep doing that. They will treat you like a McDonald's drive through window, not like a fancy restaurant where you need to make a reservation. If you want to be treated with the respect of a professional, demand it. So don't think you have to always answer the freaking phone. Shut it down. If you shut it down at six o'clock, that's totally fine. If you shut it down at seven o'clock, that's fine too. I don't think you need to go that late. I try to get people to do it earlier. You know, if you think you need to like take listings, at 6.30 at night, because that gives them time to get home from work, you're crazy. You're crazy. Why do you need to give them home time to get home from work? Does the doctor do that? Does the dentist do that? Does the accountant do that? No, they expect you to get off work a little earlier, take time. I don't want to deal with people at 6.30 when they're tired and they're hungry and their kids are running around and you don't have much time to talk and we can't be professional. We make bad decisions because we're cranky and hungry. Stupid. Treat it like it's a serious profession. Schedule your listings at three at four o'clock. Hold the line. Use the tools that we've been talking about on negotiation. Be okay with no's. Hold up your standards if you want to be a professional. Stop trying to be Johnny on the spot. If you're making Johnny on the spot, your value that you add, oh boy, you're right. It's going to be, you're going to be a bottom feeder. You're setting up, you're a dumpster diver. You're going to only, you're going to have the worst clients out there. The clients no one else wants. The ones that just demand it right now. I want you right now, or I just move on to the next one. If that's, that's what all your clients are going to look like. What a nightmare. What a freaking nightmare. That's the business you're developing by your design. You basically got unprofessional clients because you're desperate.
If you act desperate, you'll believe it desperate, right? Imagine this, I need an attorney right now. So you just start calling until an attorney will meet with you right now. Can you imagine? You call a good attorney and he's like, uh, I'm in trial this week, but I've got some time next Tuesday if you wanna come in. Otherwise we could schedule a call Friday afternoon about three o'clock. That sounds like a normal good attorney to me. He has other clients. You call the attorney that says, hey, yeah, I'm just hanging out. Come on down right now, I'm totally free. I'm starting to worry about the level of com competency <laughs> of the attorney you're about to go get into a relationship with. Same with real estate agents. If they're totally free to jump for you right now, you're probably their only client. Might have a competency issue. That's why you wonder how the top agents get so many clients. Hold your standards. Hold the line when you negotiate with your clients over your standards. All right, example number three, practical application. You are not available to your clients, your vendors, or your affiliates in the morning. Your mornings are you. Your mornings are exercise, prayer, meditation, family, lead generation activities. Those are your mornings. So if a appraiser needs you to open up a house for him, tell him to get a lockbox key, or you can meet him in the afternoon. If the home inspector needs to do a home inspection in the morning, tell him to get a lockbox key, or you can meet him in the afternoon, but you're jammed up in the morning. If you think the buyer needs to be present, say, hey, the home inspector would prefer to do the report because it takes a long time and he needs to focus. You're going to get a full copy of the report and the home inspector and any questions you have about it, I can go over with you and the home inspector will definitely talk to you about any problems or questions you have. And that's true. They'll all do that. And you just want to make sure your home inspector will do that. But if you got to make it a big old deal where you go to the house with the home inspector and the home inspector's got to go there and the buyer's got to go there, you're cruising for a bruising for everyone involved. You're gonna make this so stressful for that buyer. They're gonna have the worst home buying experience ever. They're gonna freak the heck out. Be a nightmare. And you wonder why some, you know, and we think we're just providing this great customer service. We wonder how some clients just talk about how stressful a transaction is. It's an agent that doesn't know how to manage client control or client expectations. They wonder how stressful it was. It just was, it was just stressful. I don't even know why. Well, there's one reason right there. You just took a drunk person and put them in a situation where they have to make all these decisions and they get stressed out about stuff they, they know. I mean, we see this stuff all the time. Oh my God, a water heater is not strapped. Like for us, it's just mellow, we'll handle it. For them, they're like, what about an earthquake? This is crazy. These sellers are so reckless. They just get all stressed out. Any of you guys ever had a colonoscopy where you can actually have a choice there? You can get knocked out. I recommend that choice. Or you can actually watch the video go up the shoot. Don't do that one. Let the drunk guy, I mean, you, you literally don't do that one. Get knocked out. Don't watch the video. That's stressful. That's stressful. Just relax and let the professional take care of things. <laughs> that could be my best um, analogy I've ever done in my life. So just want everyone to know that. So the idea, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the concept. Take it, handle it, make it painless for them. Don't get them all involved. You know, and I talked about this 
when we talked about, you know, different negotiation strategies back and forth. Don't go asking your buyers and sellers like, hey, so what do you want to counter on this? Don't do that. You go stress them out. Come to them with a solution and a suggestion first. Here's what I recommend. You put them on the spot and you stress them out. This is, you're supposed to be the pro here. Just like the doctor doesn't say, here's what I think you should do. Or the accountant doesn't say, which ones, which items do you think we should write up and deduct this year? How much depreciation do you think we should take this year? They don't do that. They tell you what to do. They take all that stress away because they're the professional and they expect to make those decisions for you. They're going to run them by you. They're going to make sure you're okay with them, but we're not going to make them struggle. I want you lead generating in the mornings, every single morning. I want you working out. I want you being there for your family. I want you being physically fit. I do not want you running around and helping out your vendors or showing property in the morning. That's what the afternoons are for. You get your work done first every single morning. If you haven't read an amazing book, it's on my uh, recommended reading list. It's called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Strongly recommend it. They even have a, a new updated version called The Miracle Morning for Real Estate Agents which was co-written by a few of my friends in the industry. And it really talks about the importance of having a structured blocked morning without distraction. So you don't have time to like all of a sudden train wreck your business plan and your career in the morning to let an appraiser in or to let a home inspector in. That needs to be afternoon. So just remember if anybody says, hey, are you free to get together on this morning at 10 o'clock? Ah, I'm kind of jammed up in the morning, but I could be free at 1130 or you know, after lunch or one. Do it that way. Always have that script ready. Um, be be remotely busy. Don't just always be available. And those they don't need to know who the appointment's with. They don't need to know the appointment is with yourself. I've got an appointment. I actually have another appointment that morning, and it could just be you, you know, making your SOI calls. Could be you doing your meditation. Could be you dropping the kids off at school. I, whatever it is, I don't care. It's none of their business. It's no one's business what your appointments are or who they're with. The fact is you've got it in your calendar time blocked. So therefore it is an appointment. You're not a liar. And you just say, I've got another appointment at that time. You are not free or available in the mornings in real estate. You are, I mean, people don't usually want to see real estate on weekday mornings anyway. It's usually in the afternoons. People don't usually want you to list their house or have a listing appointment in the mornings either. It's usually in the afternoon. And just so you know, I just mentioned The Miracle Morning. That's a book, not a podcast by Hal Elrod, The Miracle Morning. Okay. So, you know, so that's your, that, that you know, that's your idea. And I know you think this is hard. So, and, and the same thing is actually really true. So for those of you that really have a hard time staying focused, which is all of us humans, like, let's say, you, you know, you've got a client event coming up or you're, you know, whatever you're doing to lead generate, and you're staying in touch with your SOI. Maybe you're texting them or you're on Facebook doing your 10, 10, five, or maybe you're calling them on the phone, which I actually like best, believe it or not, still. To stay in touch, to catch up, maybe to do an annual review of their property and a CMA on their property. Any of the things we, we teach and we talk about here regularly. And then all of a sudden, you know, your seller calls you, you see him blinking. You've got an active seller. The home's not called finished, you know, not called. Now you've got time block. I'm a lead generator. That's already a listing of yours. You know, if you answer that phone, you're probably not going to lead generate anymore that morning. 
you're going to call him. You're going to talk to him. You're going to get off track. Then you're going to have to go to the bathroom, maybe get a bite to eat, maybe get some coffee, whatever. Train wreck your whole morning. So what do you do? You don't answer that phone call. You don't pick it up. Top producers know how to do this. Guys, if someone calls you at 10 in the morning and you call them back at 1130, if they are angry with you, something is wrong with them. Make sense? So start to develop those habits. Hold your time blocks. Your time blocks are to generate business. Your time blocks are to grow your business. If you spend time answering phone calls, that's servicing existing business. So you're getting rid of your sales and marketing and replacing it with all customer service all the time, which means you're never gonna grow your business. You're never gonna sell more and increase your production level from where it is right now. So to do that, you have to hold your time blocks in place. You're not free in the morning. You're committed in the morning. So you call them back later, not a lot later, just a little bit later. And you're gonna look like an, an attorney who doesn't always answer his own phones, but gets back promptly. You'll look like you're reasonably professional, reasonably busy, reasonably desired. I know it's hard to do, but it's actually very doable and you do it all the time. If you don't believe me, imagine this. Imagine you're in a listing appointment and in that listing appointment, let's say it's an hour, hour and a half long, you get a phone call from one of the other sellers. Do you continue in the listing presentation? Or do you answer the freaking phone? I'm pretty sure you continue in the listing presentation and you call them back an hour, hour and a half later. See, it's doable and no one gets upset. So you can do it too. The real reason you want to answer the phone is because it rescues you from doing something uncomfortable like lead generation or working out. That's why. So understand this is crazy town. You're the mayor of it. You got to take control of crazy town. Stop buying your own excuses. Negotiate with your client to uphold your standards. Negotiate with your vendors to uphold your standards. Most importantly, uphold your standards to yourself. All right, point number four I want to throw out there at you. This one's important. Your listings go live on Wednesdays. Period. Your listings go live on Wednesdays. If you put your listings live on Thursdays and on Fridays, like so many agents do, you're going to work all weekend long. That's the first one. Everybody's going to be calling you about it on Saturday and Sunday. And you're going to be one of those agents that says it's so hard working all weekend long. And you're going to reduce the exposure for your sellers. Reduce it. Here's why. If you listen on Wednesday, it just gives you one or two more days earlier to A, field all those questions during the normal work week from all the agents that see it. A lot more agents will see it because they're starting to look for what they're going to show their clients and schedule showings for that weekend. It's one more day they can see it. They can see it on Wednesdays. They can see it on Thursdays. They can see it on Fridays rather than the people that just see it on Fridays and have to scramble on Friday to get in there. Not to mention your sellers are getting all these last minute showings that they can't prepare for. They don't know. So now you disrupt their weekend. But you just say that's how it is because you're a freaking tornado. You can't manage yourself using bad practices. So you make it stressful for your clients again. And you say, that's just the market. That's what we have to do. But yet other agents aren't quite such a, such a mess they list on Wednesdays. Not to mention, 
all the hype around, and hopefully you have an open house that first weekend. I pray you know to do that. You always have an open house the first weekend, preferably on the Saturday. Now you got all this hype. You're inviting your 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 SOI to the open house. You're you're circle prospecting and mailering and flyering and reverse targeting on Facebook to everybody on that reverse targeted database on Facebook to get all the neighbors to that open house on Saturday. You got time to market and get that open house going because you know it's going to get sold if you're in a low inventory market. Most people are all the time nowadays. So when that happens, you better take advantage of it. And you've got now you got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to build up all the hype and all that hype just increases the likelihood of multiple offers, which gets your seller a higher price. Why would you shorten it on a Friday or a Thursday? Why? I mean, that doesn't do anything for you. You worried about the other agent, the buyer's agents wanting answers right now? Stop worrying about the buyer's agents. They don't pay you for that. Stop worrying about other agents. Trust me. You're a negotiator, which means you don't people please. Remember that? Your client comes first. Not one agent's going to be, what do you think the agent's going to do? Say, well, I, you know what? I don't like it. This is too early. I'm not going to, I want an answer right now. Beat it. Pound sand, buddy. Because you're breaching your fiduciary duty to your client. Like you're mad, you're upset. So the client's going to walk on a house right now? That's like walking on a blood diamond. There isn't going to be another one coming around anytime soon. It's like a buyer that's throwing a temper tantrum in a market when they have no leverage. Silly. We list on Wednesdays. All your phone calls will happen before the weekend so you can have a life. Your sellers will have a much more controlled life. You'll get increased exposure, increased activity around your listing. We always, always hold at least one open house per listing. It's always the first weekend, preferably on a Saturday because it front ends that, that push. Most of our clients that we coach have two open houses for every single listing, always. Because just because we get under contract in a week doesn't mean we're done negotiating inspections and appraisals. So we have the second open house, the second weekend for backup offers, just so they get real stress and they remember where their bread is buttered. So if you start getting real, just because you pulled us off the market, doesn't mean I'm done advocating on behalf of my client. We're off the market. But just in case you get too demanding with your request for repairs or your, your appraiser that you need because you are a deficient buyer that needs a loan, has to have an appraisal and the appraisal comes in low, just remember you're coming up to my price. I'm not coming down to yours. Why? I got backup offers. Remember the open house I had? That's, a, that's an agent that works. I don't need to answer my phone. I just work for my client's behalf. I don't stop when it goes under contract. I keep going, not to mention, I generate a lot more business for myself because I keep having these open houses. It all works together. It's lead generation, productive activity. Guess what? Have a fun time competing with me in a listing presentation if they interview you and me and you're not doing all that for them. Because I'm going to tell them all that, that I'm doing all that. You're the one that's going to say, oh, open houses don't work in this market. Guess what? You just lost the listing to me. Cause they like my energy. They feel I'm clawing over the table. I'm gonna do all this stuff. They they wonder why you're just gonna put that sign in the front yard and pray. You're the lazy one. You're what you're what they think real estate agents really are. Worthless, except for your access to the MLS. Because they don't want your counseling, that's for sure. Makes sense. And I, I know I'm talking at you, and there's lots of you, so don't take it personal. 
Here's the next thing I want us to say. I like it when you present all those offers of that listing that you put on a Wednesday on Monday afternoon, not Sunday afternoon. Do not present offers on Sunday because you just made your Sunday and the seller's Sunday a living hell. All those agents that put in offers are gonna be calling you all day Sunday. Why? Why do you do that on the Sabbath? Why? Why not wait to Monday? Sorry, everybody has different Sabbaths. Why do you do it on the weekend? Wait till Monday when everybody's at work and everybody's actually supposed to be working. Plus it gives you one more day to collect offers. When the buyer's agents say, why? I, I wanna answer right now, say, I can't. This is my seller's, my seller's instruction. That's when we're gonna have time to sit down professionally and go over the offers. So you're gonna have to be okay with that. I gotta represent their needs. There's your script for negotiating with the buyer's agent. It is what it is. You tell what the seller what you recommend, they say that's what they wanna do, then you tell the buyer's agent, here's what they wanna do. Now all your hassle from the weekends has been pushed to before the weekend and after the weekend. Your showings are spread out evenly. Your weekend showings are more likely to be scheduled in advance. So your sellers aren't as terribly disrupted, yet you're gonna have a lot more exposure because because I stretched it a couple days each way, it's actually on the market longer, increasing a likelihood to get more multiple offers. Why don't agents like that? Freaking real estate agents are lazy. They wanna put that thing to bed and get that commission check coming. They don't like to sit in limbo. They're horrible negotiators. Horrible negotiators like to have it all wrapped up. They don't like it to be sitting untied. They don't like to let it ride a little bit. Good negotiators can keep things untied in limbo. They'll, they'll be okay with things being untidy for a while. That's a good negotiator. They hold the line. Keep it open. All you do is create an increased likelihood that you're going to get more offers. Now, it's my fifth big tip. I want you to always schedule closings on a closing date, not 30 days from now or 45 days from now. And I want that date to always be on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Especially you on the listing side, it's much easier for you to do this. Always schedule closings to occur on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and do it by a date. So you can go back and forth with 30 days, 40 days, whatever. And then usually that last offer, once we agree to terms, I'll say, can we clean this up with one more con counter or one more addendum to pick a closing date that's on a Tuesday or Wednesday? I hate having them on Fridays or Thursdays because then if one person's late for any reason, everybody's got moving trucks for that Friday night, but yet we don't close on time. So now we're going to close Monday and everybody gets stressed out because they can't move and everybody has the worst experience buying or selling a home ever. And the agent says it's not their fault, it's the other person's fault, it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're the agent that let that happen, it's because you didn't start all the way at the beginning and schedule the closing on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Then if it gets delayed a day or two, which happens all the time, it gets pushed Wednesday, then it gets pushed to Thursday, then it gets pushed, you got all this pad and cushion. So if it doesn't close, there's not this big rush. Not to mention title companies, closing companies. They're so used to agents scheduling all their closings on Fridays because agents, like I said, generally speaking, just don't have training. 
So they schedule everything to close on Fridays. So that's the one day where title officers and escrow officers and closers are just jammed up. So they're gonna make the most mistakes and not get to you and make errors. Loan funders are funding all on Thursdays and Fridays. They're the ones that aren't gonna get to it. But if you close on a Tuesday, that, you know, you're not competing for the attention of these people. You're the only person doing it. You're the only smart one. If there's any like title people or loan lenders out there hearing this right now, they're just saying, amen, brother, why don't agents do this? Trust me, schedule your closings on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Set the expectations properly. Tell people that way we have a few days in case something goes late. It just happens more often than not. Because everybody's going to plan and move that first week. And boy, you're going to end up working all weekend. I hear about it. Like people are going in there. and Yeah, we have people moving in the garage already. And everybody's got horror stories about people moving in and people still being there and people not getting out and all that kind of crap. You can prevent that up front by scheduling on the proper day. Now, one there's a, there's a sixth concept that I want to bring up. I probably should have said this one fifth, though. Um, and it's called the concept of dragging offers. Like I said earlier, if you put that listing live on a Wednesday and then you don't, and then you present offers on a Monday, for example, that gives you more time on the market, which increases the likelihood of dragging offers, right? And that's, we always want to keep that listing untied and open as long as possible because that increases the likelihood of getting an offer. And I don't care what the offer is, we've talked about this, is I want, always, I want to play with every offer that comes my way even if it's super low because that way when an agent puts in an offer i can say yeah there are other offers and that agent can then turn around and tell their buyer client that and now they think okay i've got a desirable home this is a home other people want i better get up and get competitive with my counters or my initial offer or what have you so i'm always going to drag my offers which means i'm going to try to keep offers going as long as possible even if i've been on the market for a week or two which will happen with you know that that happens with higher priced homes. So in luxury markets, you usually have a less likelihood of home selling faster. And you have a less likelihood of getting multiple offers. The higher in price, the more of a luxury agent you are or want to be. So with those, it's real important to drag your offers. So you take anything and you keep it alive as long as possible. Like you get that low ball offer, you wait four days to respond. You know, maybe call the buyer's agent a little bit, ask some questions about their offer, find out who the lender is, see if you can talk to them and then say, okay, we are countering, don't worry. And then you wait four days and you counter it and you drag that offer. Welcome to negotiation, guys. If this is weird to you, I'm just playing with your offer. I mean, it's better than just shutting you down and being a jerk. At least I'm giving you a chance. You're in it. All the while, I'm hoping another agent calls me and says, you got any activity? I go, I got another activity, but there's room if you come in high enough. Now they're like hustling and they can use that with their buyer. And all of a sudden, I'm all of a sudden advocating and negotiating on behalf of my client, foreign concept in real estate. But I'm dragging those offers. And guess what I'm doing the whole time? I'm telling my seller exactly what I'm doing. And he's like, man, I couldn't have done this as a FISBO. Man, I didn't realize, wow, my last agent wasn't this sneaky or this tactful or working this hard for me. I'm showing my work just like we do with, you know, when I'm using the negotiating methods we've talked about. I'm showing them that I have a strategy and a plan and they're loving it. Because you know that every guy, every husband at least always thinks they're the best negotiator. They didn't know these tricks. So I'm showing them my tricks, showing my value. 
they're less likely to try to get me to shave my commission at the end of all this in order to accept one of these offers. They realize I'm working and they like it. See what I'm saying? So I'm bringing these practical applications and I'm trying to demonstrate what I'm doing to advocate and negotiate on my client's behalf. All right, next one, number seven, pricing. This is a really big one, especially in markets with lower inventory and, and it goes up and down, you know, and you get different shifts in the market. And again, as you get higher in price and more and more luxury, you have to deal with this more where people have this concept that they want to list as high as they can list. And that's not always the way to get the highest price. Almost every agent with any experience is going to tell you the way to get the highest price with the best terms in a deal that will always close is to actually get multiple offers. If you get multiple offers, now you can start negotiating up and countering up and countering out like appraisal contingencies. You can negotiate like shorter contingency periods. You can negotiate free leasebacks or longer closing periods or even seller contingencies to buy enough to find another replacement property. You can get much stronger terms and ultimately get them competing with each other for that coveted higher price that everyone wants. How do you do that? Sometimes it's better to price closer to market to get a feeding frenzy going of lots of buyers that will then compete and bid themselves up. If you just try to price it high to begin with, you roll the dice and you gamble and it's a big risk that you might just get one person to come up to it. Now you got one offer and it might be a little low and then you have to come down and play with that and you might not get your appraisal contingency, which means now you come off the market for a week or two and it doesn't appraise. Then you got to go down and meet them or you got to go back on the market as a stale listing and everybody wonders why no one wanted you and why you have to come back on the market. And you say, well, we only had one offer. It's not my fault. That's the way it went. Well, you only had one offer because you didn't know how to price the property because you're a lazy agent. You're not listening to my skill development talk about pricing lower to get more offers. And that's a safer, more conservative route to get them to bid up. Then you can negotiate out all those terrible appraisal contingencies and loan contingencies. See what I'm saying? So sometimes pricing lower is better. And we need to be able to use this script and this strategy in a listing appointment when we describe this and we explain this then and you can say hey we're seeing this at a very high level you know we're getting taught to do this and we're seeing on average we get a much higher price per listing when we have multiple offers than we do one offer and that's the risky thing about trying to price it way too high is you're gonna have less offers going up there to get it make sense so think about pricing it a little bit closer to market, lower, and then letting the offers drive it up and then you can control the terms better. That's why we drag offers to begin with is to try to get, it's all about trying to get multiples. If you get multiples, you hit the jackpot, Yahtzee. Now you can counter everything. Make sense? Now you're advocating on behalf of your clients. You're not people pleasing. If the buyer's agents don't like it, well, that's not who's supposed to like it. So stop trying to make them happy. They're supposed to feel like it's a little painful. They're on the other side. <laughs> if it's truly a negotiation, right? <laughs> that's the idea, okay? That's the idea. I hope that helps. Oh, and one other thing I forgot to mention um, that Felicia really brought up. That, that, that You know, I, I said don't close on Fridays and Thursdays, try to close on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, right? Also, definitely don't close at the end of the month. 
That's like the double whammy. Closing on like the last Thursday or Friday of a month. That's when all the closings happen. So you're going to get the worst service from your title company, your closers, your closing companies. You're going to get the worst service from loan funders because that's, you know, that's when those loan docs have to go out. Those loan docs have certain interest rate locks and, you know, you get October or November or whatever month you're in docs that expire. And if they don't close, then they have to actually redraw docs, get new, new interest rates, things like that. It's a nightmare, all kinds of stress, all kinds of frustration with everybody involved in the closing process. So that's when all the mistakes get made. So don't, I mean, pick a date for your closings. Make sure it's on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Whatever you do, don't put it on Thursdays and Fridays and whatever, whatever, whatever you do, don't put it on the last Thursday or Friday of any given month. Make sense? Okay, I hope these negotiation, these practical aspects of negotiation help you. I hope you picked up a tip. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Trainer Podcast, sponsored by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. For more information about real estate coaching or to watch Brian's training videos, check out therealestatetrainer.com or find us on social media. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they're available.